Hello, everybody, and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. So today we are disrupting our regularly scheduled programming. I was supposed to give you a great reflection. In fact, I prepared it. A great reflection episode on the um, really the many, many gems that my guest of the month, Omena Okelege, dropped um, in this last episode. If you haven't listened to it, go and definitely have a listen. But I decided to shift course to talk about something that happened in this last week and has been weighing on my mind and on the mind of a lot of black people, I'm very sure. So have you been watching the Euros, the football tournament? I have because I am a huge football fan. I did horribly on predictions though. Um, Thanks France for losing me money. Uh, Honestly, I should just stop betting on football because I'm not that good at it. What I want to talk about is the aftermath of the final whereby England lost to Italy at the penalties and three black players um, actually missed penalties that led to this loss. They have since been subject to racist threats um, online and a lot of racist treatment in and other ways, like defacing of their murals and stuff like that. Um, and there's also been a lot of support for them on the other end, which I am grateful for now until we see what uh, authorities and people are actually going to do that is more tangible. So I'm a little skeptical there. But in any case, though, um, I wanted to bring it here because also when I reflected on it, there are so many parallels um, between the experience of these black players and what uh, people of color experience in the corporate world. Thinking about risk taking, the cost of failure, um, amongst other things. Listen, when this tournament was starting and folks asked me who I'm rooting for, I just told them I'm rooting for everybody black. So let me tell you more about why that is. So if there is anything to know about me is that I love football and that is soccer to the Americans who are listening. It is a relationship I have nurtured since I was a kid. And no, I do not play myself and never did play because I suck at sports, but I watch football religiously. I am an English Premier League um, aficionado, uh, rooting for only the best team ever, Manchester United, Go Red Devils. Um, And yeah, this past month has been glorious, just like watching a lot of great football, watching a lot of my favorite players play for their countries and yeah, canceling some appointments with people so I can watch football. Now, a white friend of mine asked me who I am rooting for and having no real allegiances in this tournament because, well, I don't belong to any of these countries except maybe my new home where I live in the Netherlands. Um, I replied to her, that's easy. I'm rooting for everybody black. That's it. By default of this rule, France became my favorite team. Um, and listen, if there was there was this one black guy on the Austria team, I rooted for him. There was another one on the Switzerland team. I was rooting for him as well. My rooting for black people in European football is not just some insidious form of prejudice, but has a much deeper meaning behind it. Firstly, 
I follow a lot of these players um, on social media and know their stories as much as I can from them. One of my absolute favorite ones, Romelu Lukaku, who plays for Belgium, has this insanely beautiful story of coming from so little and fighting for his football dream. I am so proud to watch him play and see, even in this tournament, he has improved so much tactically. I mean, Belgium didn't um, go very far. Another team that disappointed me and lost me money. But in any case, though, I, I root for him um, for that reason. Another player, Paul Pogba of France, who is... Um, uh, playing for Manchester United as well, my uh, English team. Um, yeah, I love following him. Uh, I love seeing his family, his his mom especially, who seems to be so proud. You know, you know, African parents will uh, want to <laughs> to uh, you know brag about their kids, and I'm sure his parents brag about them. Another part of it is that most of these players are you know uh, like. African by descent. They even have African names. So I definitely find myself um, rooting for them because they're kindred spirits to me. But also, I know what it's like to be them, to be an immigrant working hard at your dream um, in this part of the world. I also root for them because I know what it's like to be them when they are on the pitch. Football is their job. And as a person of color in the corporate world, I know what it's like to do what they do, wake up every day and go and work in spaces largely controlled by people who do not look like us, who may not care about our, um, our welfare as much. Now, I know when we talk about the corporate world, we always talk about how there are so few of us. Um, and ironically, England, for instance, actually fielded some of the most, one of the most diverse teams that you could see um, at the at the Euros. So they may have a lot of people um, at the level that they are at uh, as players, but the back room. The back room is not that diverse. The people who uh, control power and who make most of the money from this are not like us. So the two environments, the corporate world and the football world, actually mirror each other in many ways. Football players, they feel so much pressure to be excellent. Um, they carry our community on their shoulder when they go out there. I was reading some incredible articles before the game, um, and I have some of them in the uh, notes, in the show notes, but um, people of color in England, for instance, reflecting on what, you know, this game meant for them. It wasn't necessarily about supporting the country and being patriotic, but it was really watching Rashford and, 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 uh, and Sancho and Saka, um, black boys, excel right and be at the top of their game in this tournament and they truly were they truly were um until that moment and you know this is also us people of color when you walk into the corporate world is the you are the only one of you and you're carrying the whole community on your shoulders as well now, the situation of football players is uh, a little different because their job is so public and they may have the worst customers, football fans. 
Customers who can throw bananas at them and chant racist things at them amongst other despicable things. I have so much respect for all these football players, for how much fortitude they have because they show up anyway every day and do their best. They excel most times and, um, you know, they also may have what happened to Rashford, Sancho and Saka in this last few days happen to them. Now, for those living under a rock, uh, the Euro final, as mentioned already, was played between Italy and England this weekend. And um, England, for the first time since 1966, made it to a major final. So it was a big deal for the nation in many ways. The game was intriguing, ending in a tense penalty shootout. And uh, England lost to Italy. Uh, three of the penalties that, um, you know, were part of this were actually taken by three black players, Sancho, Rashford, and Saka. Here's my first thought to share with you all on this. For all my black friends watching this unfold, none of it was surprising. We knew exactly what was coming the moment the first one of them missed that penalty. What has been interesting, though, is to talk to our white friends and find that they are so shocked it never even occurred to them that something like this, the backlash, the kind of backlash um, that has happened, uh, the racist backlash, could happen at all. And that exactly has been the problem for years when discussing racism. When something does not even exist in your consciousness, how can you even begin to be part of a solution about it, right? It's existing in consciousness. It's um, also willful ignorance sometimes, like not even engaging with the topic at all. In this uh, last year, uh, that's 2020, Black people have had the experience of watching the collective awakening of many white people to racism. And it is both um, expected and exhausting for us. <laughs> I mean, after years of being gaslit about our reality, um, finally it's being accepted, right? Which is great. It's a great step. I appreciate the outrage and the spread of awareness. Um, but I must say my true feelings are that I am upset anytime I watch it happen. It's been interesting to watch newly arrived folks to the racism conversation uh, while the rest of us have been at it for a while. Awareness continues to be so important in this uh, topic and in us actually as a society uh, deciding differently for the future uh, regarding prejudice. And the difference is that in previous years, while the stories of Black people fell on deaf ears, now at least they are more accepted and, and, and being open. So we'll take it, we'll take it. But it is emotionally exhausting. And if you're a black person listening to this, feeling like I do, I see you and I feel your pain. This is the first thought I want to share with you all.
Now, bringing this to the corporate world, the treatment of Sancho, Rashford and Saka is the reason why people of color are often afraid to take any sort of risk um, at work. The cost of a mistake is enormous and can carry a heavy, heavy sentence. You really get to understand what the pressure to perform and to be excellent is all about um, from watching, you know, um, what happened to these players. Black people just do not have the privilege to fail at all. The founder of Black Girls Court, Kimberly Bryant, in her TED Talk, talked about one of the reasons she created this space. Um, and it was so that Black girls could just have a place to learn and to fail free of pressure. Why? Because the risks of failure are not equitably distributed. I have the TED Talk in the show notes again. You should absolutely uh, go and have a look at it. And... I had a moment in my career in the last few years, actually, where I was holding on to dear life. As an immigrant, if I fail, I lose my right to live in the country I am building a life in. I lose my livelihood um, and the ability to support my family, amongst many other things. So it's incredibly stressful um, when my job wasn't going well. Uh, additionally, people of color are not afforded individuality. When you fail, you fail a whole community. And if you lose your job, for instance, the door closes for anyone who looks like you for a while. The cost of failure is deep when you are a person of color. And for our brothers in football, this also sadly involves abuse from their customers, as noted before. Now, let's jump to look at the employers of these young men. How are they behaving in the face of this incident? The local clubs of Saka, Sancho and Rashford have since issued statements of support for them. So has the English Football Association and, you know, statements are nice. Everybody makes a statement. Everybody made a statement last year about Black Lives Matter. They put up a black square. But how many actually did something tangible about this is the question. In the case of the Football Association in the UK, what tangible things are they going to be doing to prevent this and send a strong message to everybody involved that this is not tolerable? Are we going to ban racists from football for life? Um, because we know who they are. They type boldly with their own names in these internet streets. Another interesting twist to the story is racists in England are very much emboldened lately by the current political climate. England has its own Donald Trump, um, Boris Johnson, who, when asked to condemn fans who were booing the English players who took the knee at the beginning of the match to bring awareness to racism, he refused. And yeah, I mean, he also gave a statement now, but does it actually hold any water? Living in Europe has been interesting for me because um, everyone seems to talk about America as like the mother of racism. Um, and I'm over here like America got their playbook from their own colonizer, Mama England. Everybody knows this, you know. And uh, you have here the Dutch being the architects of apartheid. There is no moral high ground to be held um, here, and there is quite a lot, a lot that all these countries still have to work through um, to deal with their past 
and present prejudice, racism, and how they treat people of color. Okay, on a last note, let's talk about black excellence. So in defending Rashford, Saka, and Sancho, many people have been bringing up the amazing things they do for their communities. Rashford, for instance, has done some immense charity work, helping to feed hundreds of vulnerable families during the pandemic. Now, while this is, is well-meaning, uh, these comments perpetuate a dangerous narrative that respect and support for Black people is determined by accomplishment versus being a basic, bare minimum human right. Let's go ahead and stop this narrative in its tracks. Let's start giving Black people grace to be human, to try out things, to fail, to be mediocre. You know, it can be mediocre at something. We all deserve grace to just exist and be human in our skin. Additionally, we all know black excellency is not a deterrent to racism. I penned an essay about this a while back and you can find it in the show notes. Not only white people, but also black people participate in this particular narrative. White supremacy has us all growing up, reaching for validation from the structures that it's set up to be considered human and worthy at all. And yeah, just know, let's support black people regardless of what they are doing. Let's hold their humanity, um, whether they're excellent or not. And I am not at all saying let's not celebrate black excellence. I do it. I do it all the time on this podcast, but let's do it on our own terms, um, not to be validated by like systemic structures um, of racism. Uh, okay, that's all I had to get off my chest on this topic, everybody. I am sending lots of love and grace to black people everywhere um, during yet another episode of Racist Nonsense. It really, I've been struggling personally and I am managing my energy <laughs> around this topic. I hope this podcast episode gave you some comfort as much as it did me. Uh, writing down these thoughts and sharing them with you. And yeah, for those who never understood my international football choices, now you know why I root for everybody black. Catch you all in the next episode. That's it for me this week, y'all. Um... We are going to bring out that other episode, the reflection episode, next week, actually. So stay tuned uh, for my reflection on my conversation with Omena. I would love, love, love to still hear your thoughts on um, what I just talked about. So come over to the Biscuit C Instagram and LinkedIn page and let me know. If you like what you heard, go ahead and get this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it from and share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to help keep this podcast going. You can buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. I am excited to uh, go back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. So I will catch you then uh, where we talk about ominous wisdom until then i am your host nancy be safe be empowered and stay inspired